Hey, it's Scott Branson from Silver and Black tonight. Some law firms brag about how big they are. At Salmon Ash Injury Law, the focus is on personalized service, quality representation, and winning for accident victims. There is no guarantee, but they have won over $400 million for accident victims, proving the cornerstone of the Salmon Ash Injury Law Firm is quality matters. The Salmon Ash Injury Law mission is to handle every case with integrity. When you call their office at 1-800-304-2000, you are looking for answers, resolution, and a path forward. Let me tell you, they deliver. The law firm you choose makes a huge difference. Insurance companies are hoping you have not hired my lawyer, Sam and Ash Injury Law. It's not how big you are. It's the quality of the service for each accident victim. They care. They help you win. Sam and Ash Injury Law, 1-800-304-2000. That's 1-800-304-2000 or SamandAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black Tonight on the Mightier 1090. All right, Raider Nation, it is a Friday night. It is the place to be, of course. The only all Raider talk show in Southern California. That is Silver and Black tonight, only here on the Mightier 1090. Scott Golbranson, my partner, Mo Moten, with you. And it is game week, Mo. We had a game last night. Of course, the Cowboys and the Patriots. Excuse me, I say Patriots. Tom, see what Tom Brady does to you, right? <laughs> Patriots instead of Buccaneers. Buccaneers and the Cowboys, my friend. Uh, But now we're gearing up for a full slate of games on Sunday. But more importantly, Mo, Monday Night Football, Ravens at the Raiders in Las Vegas, out at Allegiant Stadium. You excited for this season to get started? Absolutely excited. I had to get through my mentions this week. I I put out a couple of pieces that got me in trouble, (laughs) but I made it through and I'm ready to watch Raiders football with a smile on my face. And contrary to belief, I I actually think the Raiders will play well this Monday. Yes. Even though the fans probably think I'm too negative, I actually think we're going to get a pretty good Monday Night Football matchup. Well, by negative, if you mean realistic, then yes, you're very negative. Um, but we're going to talk We're going to talk about the stories because you did. Mo, if you haven't caught it, up on VegasSportsToday.com, Mo did a piece about Henry Ruggs, i.e. good cop, Mo. Uh, then bad cop, Mo, did a piece on Bleacher Report uh, about Mike Mayock. And the the news, which, of course, we go back to Monday earlier this week on the holiday weekend while everybody was home uh, setting out the barbecues, having fun, enjoying Labor Day. The Raiders say, uh, yeah, our uh, two our second of the third round draft pick from 2020. Yeah, we're going to release him. Uh, and that, of course, was Tanner Muse. And that created a stir, of course, which led to a larger discussion that primarily you and I had online with a bunch of people, Mo, uh, around roster management. So there's a lot to talk about today. And uh, we're going to get into it, Mo. And I'm sure people, they're going to look at this first segment maybe as a little too negative, right? I, I hope not, because I'm going to bring uh, Rainbow's Unicorn. <laughs> you are. Bring Doom and Gloom to kind of balance it out, because that's what I do, you know. But I, I just want a quick comment. 
the Raiders couldn't wait till after Chan and Muse's birthday. Oh, that was terrible. That was terrible. Do it on his birthday. You couldn't wait 24 hours to do that. Yeah, exactly. But what we want to do now is we're going to go, we're going to bring in a guest who's outside Raider Nation. This is somebody who covers the Raiders, but not every day to bring you some outside perspective of what the country and what other reporters think of the Raiders in 2021. All right, Mo, well, enough of you and I talking to each other about the Raiders. We're now going to go out on our newsmaker line and bring in our good friend, Cody Benjamin. He writes about the NFL for CBSSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Cody J. Benjamin. Cody, welcome back to the show. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we just spent a lot of time talking about the Tanner Muse uh, release over this past holiday weekend. And I want to start there with you because one of the things that we've been talking about is, look, Tanner Muse didn't decide to be drafted in the third round. The Raiders made the mistake I've always said since the night of the draft when we were on the air of selecting a player they could have gotten probably in the sixth round in the third round as a developmental project. Instead, he's the second of three third round picks from 2019 that are no longer with the team. What do you make of that pick? What do you make of this Raiders situation with evaluating this young talent in the draft? Yeah, thanks for having me on. First of all, it's good to be talking with you guys. I think that, um, you know, it's one thing if you draft guys and, and on draft night it's perceived that you reached for a player and, and those guys end up panning out, you know, then you, you end up being proven right in your evaluations. And we all know that, um, you know, we can be premature in evaluating draft picks and, and we don't always, you know, sitting on the other side where, you know, we can point fingers at general managers and coaches and say, wow, they reached for this guy just because, you know, the mock drafts had him later. Well, I mean, that's one thing. The other thing is if you, um, you know, repeatedly draft a guy uh, earlier than he, he, you know, most people think he should go, and then he doesn't end up sticking, you know. And that's been the case with the Raiders. I think that, you know, Mike Mayock himself has gone on record talking about how, um, there have been mistakes made um, in the evaluation process, not even in the draft, but also in free agency and trades. And so what we're left with now is, you know, you're several years into this uh, John Gruden experiment and the Raiders have collected assets. They just haven't necessarily done much with them. And that's kind of been the recurring theme. And that's why I think the Raiders are at where they're at right now. So the season just started Thursday, Cody. It's moment jumping in. I just want to know, what is your win-loss projection for the Raiders this year? As a, as a fellow national writer, I find it fascinating because I've seen projections on the low end, four wins, the high end, nine wins. And I saw your recent article on uh, teams on the decline on CBS Sports. So I think I know where you're leaning with this, but go ahead. I just want to hear your projection for the Raiders this year. Yeah, I feel, you know, I feel bad uh, coming on a show that's um, tailored to the Raiders that I, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not coming in with like the, uh, the, the bucket of sunshine and rainbows. Uh, but I, you know, y- you have obviously probably a better read on, on the, the local perspective there. But, you know, when I look at the Raiders and, and more specifically, when I look at the, the Raiders in the context of that entire division and I see a team and, you know, no one obviously is counting out the Chiefs as a, not only a playoff contender, but a Super Bowl contender. Um, you know, I think the Chargers, even with the rookie head coach, I mean, it's going to be hard for them not to improve with Justin Herbert at quarterback. 
the Broncos, I mean, whether you love Teddy Bridgewater or their quarterback situation or not, um, they've got a, a good defense and they've got some other pieces on offense where I think, you know, in my mind, the order is Kansas City, Los Angeles, Denver, and then Vegas. And so the Raiders, I think, unfortunately, uh, if you just were to ask me, I think they're closer to needing to tear it all down again um, rather than contending. And so if you're looking at a you know specific win-loss record, I mean, I think that, you know, about six wins is probably, in my mind, what what you're looking at now. That you know, every the, the NFL is fun because it's so unpredictable. And mm. so, if I'm proven wrong on that, then I you know I applaud uh, Raiders Nation, and I think that that would be fun. But it's just hard to see that right now in the division. Okay, so since I put you on the spot, I'll bring in some sunshine and rainbows a little bit here. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> if you if you could change a couple of things about the Raiders, one or two things, and make them a playoff team in 2022, what exactly would you do if you had that power to do so? Oh, man. I mean, I, see, the thing with the Raiders is I don't know that it's, it's one or two things. I mean, this is you're talking about the infrastructure. Um, you're talking about the decision makers. I mean, I think, you know, if you start with well, looking at the positives, I think, you know, John Gruden gets a lot of heat for the way that the Raiders are, are currently built um, and just how the operation has gone. But I think the, the one thing they've done well is, they put together, you know, an efficient offense. I mean, Derek Carr gets uh, probably more criticism than he deserves. I think that um, the offensive line, obviously, they, they shuffled that this offseason, so there's question marks there. But, you know, between Derek Carr, the offensive line, I mean, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, there's a good foundation for a team that can hold on to the ball, which is important in today's NFL. Uh, but on defense, you're talking about so many – um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if swings and misses. I think you just look at there's, there's holes that are still there, and they did pour some more, um, I think into that defense, but have now kind of, um, I just think the shuffling on the offensive line. I mean, there's that brings question marks that weren't there before. Um, it, it's hard to say one or two moves would do this. Um, you know, I look at for example the wide receiver position. Um, not bringing Nelson Aguilar back, and everyone thought John Brown was going to kind of fill that that kind of a role, I think, um, giving them a, more of a speed threat. And now it's kind of back to relying on those young guys. That There's pressure on Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards and, and guys like Zay Jones to step up and do something. So, man, I, I you know, I, if, if you could say uh, bring me Aaron Rodgers and, um, <laughs> you know, there'd be an easier answer like that to, to fill it. But I just think that it, it really starts at the top with the decision making I mean I don't know if it's been a I don't know if lack of cohesion is really the issue it's just lack of proper evaluation up top yeah well said again Cody Benjamin from CBS Sports he writes about the NFL he's with us and Cody one of the things that Mo and I like to pride ourselves on even though we cover the Raiders is the fact that you know we stay objective we don't look at it through a fan lens and I know you do the same thing what we hear a lot from fans is when when you hear a take like you just gave us which is based on you covering the entire league because you watch all of the teams. Fans tend to watch their team and the team they're playing, but don't tend to watch all the other teams. They they like to think that 
if people are not overly positive about the Raiders, that they hate the Raiders and that they're being biased right. against the Raiders. But that's why I wanted to ask you this question, because when you look at the Raiders from an outside perspective and you take off that fan lens and you compare them with the rest of the AFC, uh, after four years, you would have expected them to be further along. And I think you're right. I think talent evaluation is the key here, making some key decisions that have gone the other way, starting with the Antonio Brown situation. From there, there's just been a cascade of issues that have occurred. That does not mean that they can't maybe put it together and maybe this year have a better year than six wins, because like you said, the NFL is unpredictable. But when you look at this team, Mike Mayock, if you remember, said, hey, we're all cases, uh, we're all chasing the Kansas City Chiefs, I should say. And if that's the case, Cody, and I know we're kind of beating the dead horse here, and we're not trying to be negative on the eve here of the Raiders' first game on Monday Night Football, but but how far is this team? You said they're going to finish last in the AFC West, perhaps. If that's the case, do they have to start another two-year, three-year process uh, of, of, of looking at how they build this team? Yeah, it's, it's a really um, – yeah, and I don't – I think if you're a Raiders fan, look, I mean, I can assure you, I don't, I definitely don't hate the Raiders. I think, in fact, it would be more fun if a, a John Gruden led team was, was in the mix, you know, in, in the real mix in the NFL. I mean, I think that would be fun to watch. It's a really tough situation to navigate, though, because, like you said, um, you know, even just trying to be objective, it's hard to say, hey, let's put the Chiefs and the Raiders in a playoff game. And, like, I mean, all bets are going to the Chiefs. I mean, the Raiders, you know, one thing you can give them uh, is that, you know, they're feisty. They're tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, they. I can assure you that, I mean, the Monday night game, um, whether you're down on the Raiders or not, I mean, I think it, it will be close. I think the Raiders will be in games. It's not that I, I think they're going to get blown out. I just don't see over the course of a season the makings of a, of a team that, that just has a direction. And you, you said Mike Mayock, you know, talking about we're chasing the Chiefs. Well, everyone is. But it does feel like that's a metaphor for just how the Raiders have been run. It feels like they're always one step behind. I mean, even if you look at the the acquisitions, I mean, like Antonio Brown, um, I know he, he obviously, um, I don't know if you want to say redeemed himself, but he, he made a new role for himself in Tampa Bay. Um, but still, it, it felt like they were one step behind. Um, you know, you look at guys like uh, Yannick Ngakwe and K.J. Wright. I mean, these are these are guys that have been good and, and might still have some flashes of production, but um, they just feel like moves that are, uh, they're just one step behind in this evaluation process. And the draft picks are just, you know, another piece of that. So how close are they? I mean, it, it's so tough because you don't want to say another, oh man, like another two to three year rebuild. I just don't know that, you know, when I imagine a, a scenario where the Raiders are truly competitive, where they are not only in the playoff mix, but like, you know, challengers for the AFC. I don't know that Derek Carr is the quarterback when that's mm. happening. I don't know that, you know, I mean, John Gruden is on a long contract here. Um, he he's uh, he doesn't have a, a big track record of drafting and developing top quarterback prospects. I just, it's, uh, this sounds like a very dark and cloudy <laughs> forecast, but, um, you know, it, I, 
honestly, if things don't go well, I know there's already been speculation about what could happen and whether Mike Mayock would kind of be the odd man out after this season. Um, I just don't know, you know, because of the contract the Raiders gave John Gruden, because of the reputation there, if anyone's ever going to supersede him in terms of, you know, running the show. Yeah, and and, and I, I would think Mike Mayock being a, um, a sacrificial lamb, that would be the case because, John, listen, anybody who thinks that John Gruden doesn't make every football decision in that building is fooling themselves because he does. We know that, and he's got the contract, like you said, Cody. Uh, and Mo and I talk about the Derek Carr situation when we have to because people are obsessed with it, as you know, in Raider Nation. They love him or they hate him. There seems to be no in-between. But clearly, it's a big year, right, Mo? We've talked about it where this is a year where uh, he either you either get him him at a, you got him as a discount, really, as a starting quarterback, being a middle, second-tier quarterback. But then if he goes out and performs very well, he's going to uh, want a massive upgrade in his contract next year. And so the Raiders are going to have to – the Derek Carr situation will come to a head after this year because they're going to have to pay him, Cody. Because, like, if you look at the, 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 the contracts of starting quarterbacks in the NFL that are in that top tier, they make a lot more money than Derek Carr does. Yeah. No, definitely. I think, uh, I mean, if you're to ask me now, just based on, you know, how we're projecting the Raiders to, to do this season and, you know, whether Derek Carr performs really well or doesn't, I think if you ask me now, it's more than likely that, that it's Derek Carr's last season in Vegas. I mean, because if you're, you know, I don't know, you know, Mike Mayak has already issued this, you know, we've got to make the playoff this year, you know, kind of, uh, or, or else something's going to happen. And, that's something else might be Mike Mayock leaving. But uh, even if that's the case, you've got to think, you know, getting to the halfway point of this 10-year contract where they're rolling out the red carpet for John Gruden and him seeing, you know, Bruce Arians bring in Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, you know, potentially maneuver his way out of Green Bay. Um, I, you'd have to think there's going to be a little impatience there with John Gruden. And if Derek Carr wants a huge, you know, mega contract, I think that's uh, that's another way that John Gruden could justify moving on and, and making a change there. Now, I, again, this is, uh, I, I think that I do believe that John Gruden thinks he can win with their car, but we've seen them sniff around other guys in these past couple of years. So I think if you're asking me now, I would say Derek Carr is, is probably playing elsewhere, uh, especially if there's change in the front office. Absolutely. Cody Benjamin, CBS Sports NFL writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Cody J. Benjamin. I also recommend his book, Why We Need the Movies. Of course, Cody, a movie buff like myself, so I appreciate that. Always, I always like to plug your book, my man. <laughs> hey, I, I appreciate you throwing it on there. I uh, No, it, it's and, and I, I don't want Raiders fans to feel like you, you should definitely be pumped. Like football, football is back, and that that's reason alone to oh, like you know, no matter how. And, and I'm you know coming from a Philadelphia sports background, it doesn't matter if the Eagles have looked horrendous the year before. I mean, whenever it's Week One, it's always exciting. So I don't want to dampen the parade. Uh, totally. So. No, but I think I think it's important. And what we try to do is we try to tell Raider fans, uh, and Mo does it a lot better than I do. I tend to be a little more hot headed. Uh, but but is that look, we don't look at it from the fan lens and we don't hate the team. In fact, at doing a Raider show, as you can imagine, Cody, when they do better, we actually do better. And it's a lot more fun to talk about because if you're coming on talking about loss after loss, it's like going to a funeral 
every day of the week, right? It's just not right. a lot of fun. So, so we agree with you, but we appreciate that. And, and we invite everybody out there to, to read Cody's work up on CBS Sports because it's great. And it's the entire NFL. Cody, take care. We'll catch up with you later in the season. Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. All right, there you go. Cody Benjamin, CBS Sports NFL writer. Well, there you have it. Not always a rosy picture, but <laughs> you got to appreciate the fact that Cody, you know, he's looking at it from a national level. And I know Raider fans sometimes don't want to hear that. But at the end of the day, uh, you got to take the good with the bad. Doesn't mean it's all bad because as Mo and I have said, I, I do think that the team is much better. So I, I would not discourage Raiders fans out there from being excited about the 2021 season, but also you have to consider that this team, I think, still has some key issues it needs to solve. And that doesn't mean they're not something that they can overcome, but what it does mean is that you have to be realistic. So I see people out there talking 11 wins, 12 wins. I even saw somebody say 13 wins. Um, that's going to be tough to make the jump from eight wins to 12 wins. Uh, you're, you're going up 50%. When you've seen the last two years under John Gruden, they've gone, they've improved by one win per year. Definitely progress, but I think now they're at the stage where, hey, you've got to be able to make a bigger jump. Do they have the talent to make the bigger jump? Maybe they do. Doesn't mean we're right. It doesn't mean Cody's right, but when you look at what they've done, both good and bad, you have to weigh those together, and I think that there's still some questions. Now, we might get a good sense for that on Monday night. If they go out on Monday night and they manhandle the Baltimore Ravens, then, you know, then you start to say, wait a minute, the defense played well, the offense played that offensive line. Again, the big question Mo and I keep talking about is that offensive line. And if they can go out and they can do that and that offensive line proves itself in week one and then week two, you got to go to Pittsburgh. Next week, you got to go to Pittsburgh on the road. That's going to be a really big early test for this team. And I think that's something we'll be able to find out a lot about the talent level, about uh, the character, and about the growth, because that's, that's the key. The key is going to be how much have these players grown during this offseason? How much has Damon Arnett improved? How much has Corey Littleton been able to get back to where he was when the Raiders went out and signed him to that big deal and signed him away from the Los Angeles Rams. So, so it's good. It doesn't mean that it's going to be a terrible season, but I also think that there are key things that must happen for this team to really turn it on uh, and do a good job. So we'll have to see how that all goes. By the way, just a reminder, make sure you check out our Raiders coverage up on VegasSportsToday.com. We've been doing it for four years. It was before it was SilverAndBlackToday.com, but now it's VegasSportsToday.com. We cover all of the Raiders uh, and all, excuse me, all of Las Vegas sports. So make sure you check that. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the show rolls on here on Silver and Black Tonight with Mo and Scott, only in Southern California on the Mightier 1090. We will be right back with Silver and Black Tonight on the Mightier 1090, SoCal Sports Talk. Hey, 
Hey, Raider Nation, are you looking for an independent news source covering the Raiders in Las Vegas? Check out the only site that's been doing it for the past four years, VegasSportsToday.com. With in-depth daily coverage of the Raiders and news and opinions from a stable of talented writers, VegasSportsToday.com is your independent source for news out of the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, and by the way, we cover all Vegas sports, including boxing, UFC, esports, and the hottest ticket in the NHL, the Vegas Golden Knights. Get on your phone now and check out VegasSportsToday.com, your independent source for Raiders news. No corporate BS, just pure Raider Nation. That's VegasSportsToday.com. Now, back to Scott and Moe on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 AM. Here we are back, Silver and Black tonight, the Mightier 1090, Moe Moten, Scott Branson, bringing you home for your first NFL weekend. You got a taste last night, Buccaneers and the Cowboys, but who cares about the Cowboys and the Buccaneers? This is a Raiders show. You want to see the Raiders play on Monday Night Football out at Allegiant City. How many of you are in Vegas or on your way to Vegas? It's Friday night, you know, it's a getaway night. I-15 is backed up. You roll through San Bernardino, you roll through Barstow and out to State Line, and you're sitting there and you're listening to us. Yes, you're listening to us. You're getting pumped up for the game, and we are pumped up to talk to you. Of course, we had Cody Benjamin on before the break, Mo, from CBS Sports. And you know what? Cody gave what some might view as a negative view of kind of the Raiders, the state of the Raiders, if you will. But but as he admitted, look, he's like just looking at it from the perspective of how the Raiders compare in the AFC, forget the AFC West, but there's still a lot to be excited about, Mo. If you think about this game uh, coming up on Monday night in Las Vegas, you think about uh, that newly tooled defense, how they're going to perform, and you think about the offense, some of the question marks. Yes, you're wondering about the offensive line, but but not that everything is terrible in Raider Nation, because it's not. There's improvements. I think it's just we got to talk about realistic expectations. I kind of felt bad because I almost felt like I put Cody in a corner <laughs> with the predictions and he had to come with the bad news. But he, he said something that I just want to add on to. And he and he said the Raiders, there are some good things that they have going on as far as Gruden running a top 10 offense last year. Mm-hmm. I believe the Raiders have a have a competent quarterback. In my QB rankings earlier in the offseason, I have him 13th. So I think the Raiders can get to the playoffs with the Derek Carr. And Gus Bradley, who a lot of fans are excited about, I'm excited about because I think he's going to vastly improve his defense. So I think the Raiders have the parts of a playoff team. I think they just have to put it together because we've seen this team start off 6-3, and 6-4. and four. So we know they can win games and beat playoff teams. It's just sustaining that momentum after Thanksgiving. And I think that's where the problem with depth comes in. That's where the issue with letting go of some of these early-round picks. If some of these early-round picks had 
developed and panned out, you can use those players as death to get you through the second half of the season. There's there's no question. And I think that that's the, the issue here is I, I see a lot of Raider fans. And, and let me say this. I, I, I feel so blessed because there's so many Raider fans since we've been doing this show for four years uh, in Las Vegas and now obviously here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California who reach out to me and talk to me, ask me my opinion, you know, mostly via private message. These are not folks who necessarily call in the radio shows or want to do it publicly, even on Twitter. They like to just DM you and talk to you. And and a lot of them say the same thing. Oh man, I'm telling you, we can win 12 games, they say. And I just say, you know, I don't see it. I, I Listen, I'm not saying it can't happen because Mo, as you know, sometimes in the NFL, dominoes happen. Uh, they fall, I should say. And, and one team falters because their quarterback goes down and the whole season goes nuts and it opens up a team that might have been 500. They win the division. They get catapulted. It gives them the confidence they need to go deeper in the playoffs. That stuff happens. I'm not saying it isn't. I'm not saying Raider Nation shouldn't be positive about their team. They should be. And that's where I think it is. But when you have a situation like we saw this week where you have Tanner Muse released and you see the Raiders continuing to struggle with some of these evaluations of players, it just gives you pause because at this point, at four years, Mo, to me, you should be competing for a conference championship or at least be coming off a playoff run and maybe thinking about going deeper. Absolutely, and I think, as I said in our previous show, if Gruden was with any other franchise going into year four without a playoff, regardless of what happened in the first half of his seasons where he, his team looked ready to go to the postseason, he would be on the hot seat right now. I think Raider fans, I, you know, I'll say they need to raise their expectations a little bit. I, I'm hearing that, okay, if they win nine games but they'll make the playoffs, it's fine. I know that's not every fan, but right. I, I don't think that's fine. I think you... Unless the Raiders, if the Raiders are going to miss the playoffs, it better be because they needed to win 11, 12 games to make it. Yes. And I understand. Okay, yes. that's, you know, that's a difficult task. You got to win 11, 12 games just to get to the playoffs. If the Raiders go 10 and 7 and miss the playoffs, I'd understand that. But the, the, the improvement has to be significant this year because, as you said, going into year four with John Gruden and, and, kind of how the last two seasons went. Now you have a defense because that's what the fans have been saying the last two years. If only we had a def- decent defense, if only we had a competent defense, I think we will have that. The Raiders will have that this year with Gus Bradley. So you have the competent defense. Now it's time for the for the team to step up as a whole and push for a playoff spot. That's right. Nine wins to me would be a complete failure because that would have meant that over the last three seasons, you improved each season by one win. And I'm sorry. That's, I don't care what's going on around you. That's never acceptable, especially when, and look, I got no problem with John Gruden making as much money as he possibly can. But when you're making that kind of money, you can't improve by one game every year. That's just, that's basically treading water. That's not swimming towards the shore where there's a Lombardi trophy. That is almost drowning and you're, you're, you're just paddling and you're just keeping kind of up with the, the current and that's all you're doing. And that's not good enough. But certainly the Tanner Muse story won't die. All right, we're going to switch gears, and I am here with my legal team, Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. 1-800-304-2000. Joining me today, Sam Marofsky, of course, of Sam and Ash. Sam, thanks for being with us today here on Silver and Black Tonight on the Mightier 1090. Scott, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate it. And you jumping in, you know, you, uh, the Raiders season starts on Monday night. Of course, we've been talking about it for the whole show. Uh, but of course, the the Tanner Muse news 
news about uh, here's a guy drafted in the third round. They had a lot of promise. I was a detractor. I be I'm honest. I'm always upfront about it. I never thought that the draft pick was a good one, but they cut bait on him. And he never played a down for the Raiders. First of all, I want to get your reaction to that and then ask you, you know, you're a business owner. You hire people all the time, whether it's associate attorneys, whether it's people working in your office as clerks, whatever the role may be. Uh, and so I want to talk to you about that and and, and cutting bait quickly versus giving per, a person a chance. You know, what is your point of view on that? Great question. Uh, and I think, Scott, a really important one for anyone that runs a business. And I, I think in this way, I have almost the same answer as the Raiders organization would in that the team comes first, right? So my business, my clients, they come first. And if somebody's not doing well by the firm and by our clientele, then I'm, I, I mean, I have to make a decision that, that favors the, the outcome of, of the mission, which is for me to provide top legal representation to, to people that are here in California and also in Nevada. So I have to do that. So how do I do this? One suggestion I have for the Raiders is if you're going to fire someone, <laughs> don't then wish them a happy birthday <laughs> afterwards on Twitter. Yes, sir. Which is what happened here. Now, you're you're a Twitter guy. I think you know what happened. What do you think happened here? You know what happened was they pre-programmed it. And then, exactly. of course, someone leaks it to a journalist who breaks <laughs> the story before the staff internally has the opportunity to pull it back. Absolutely. Well, I mean, but it, the the cat was already out of the bag. That's yeah. what happens when you pre-program and pre-load these uh, these these things, and then and then you've got these suites ready to go. And and so don't do that. Okay, make <laughs> sure that if you had any, you know, just you, you got to. I'm a firm believer, if possible, to always cut ties with people in an amicable way. And I always tell people because I've never burned bridges with any past employers. Right. So all of my previous bosses, I'm on speaking terms. In fact, we touch base you know, periodically. So I, you know, if you can leave a job always on good terms and, and that, that goes both for employee and employer, give notice, give respect, be transparent about what you're doing and employers, you know, don't be a jerk. Well, Sam, in the, in the few seconds we have left with you today, um, let me ask you this. So, of course, Monday night, big game, Raiders, the first game with people at Allegiant Stadium. There's going to be a lot of traffic. What do people need to know? You know, getting in and out, there's going to be a lot of people wanting to get in there, a lot of people wanting to get out and get home and drive back to Southern California. What's their advice? What's your advice for them as far as navigating that trafficking, being careful so that they don't have to call you? But, of course, if they have to call you, they will. But what do you what do you tell people when they're going to these big events in Las Vegas and they're going back to California and they need to be careful uh, as they head out from the game? Well, I drive the 15 freeway a lot, and I will tell you it's a dangerous stretch of the road. So I might my two uh, pointers are obviously to be safe and to not drive tired, and mm. please do not drive under the influence. That is not okay. Uh, so don't do that. But the other part of this is is maybe just budget out time to stay in Vegas. Yes, stay in Vegas <laughs> and not drive back right away after the game. Don't yes. go with the whole throng of people that are going to be returning because there's going to be an exodus after the game and the hours after the game, people rushing to get back to work, starting work Tuesday morning. Call your boss, take some PTO, work remotely from your hotel room if you can in Las Vegas on Tuesday, but but just don't, please, don't be, don't be that guy stuck in traffic and prim, bumper to bumper, because people get angry in that traffic, yeah. Scott. And then by the time they get into Baker, they get, you know, Yermo and through the road. Now they're just 
they're tired, they're upset, bad things happen. Yeah, and depending what happens with the game, too, they might be emotional if the Raiders don't come out on top, which, you know, we hope no, that they do. I know. Well, they're going to win. They're, they're going to win. See, so you heard it from Sam first. And, and of course, any trouble, it doesn't matter if you're in Nevada and you're from California or you're from California, you're in Nevada and something happens, make sure if anything happens, you call Sam and Ash, my attorneys, 1-800-304-2000. And again, you heard it here from my legal team, Sam and Ash, they care, they help you win because you deserve what's right. 1-800-304-2000. Sam, as always, thank you so much for the time and enjoy the game on Monday night. I will. Thanks, Scott. Take care. Have a great one. Okay, now we're going to switch gears, Mo. We're going to look ahead at the game on Monday night and talk about the beef uh, of what's happening here uh, with this team. You look at this Baltimore Ravens club, uh, Mo, and they need to do one thing, and that is improve their passing game. We all know what Lamar Jackson does, former MVP. He rushed for over 1,000 yards last year. He is the greatest person to play, the greatest running quarterback there has ever been. The problem is he's not been able to throw the ball. They've not had the receiving core. They've not been able to put together a passing game. They addressed that with a couple draft picks uh, and with Sammy Watkins, who's out injured. But the one thing they share in common, Mo, that I want to address, and I think that's the one key to their season coming up uh, for this team in the very, very competitive AFC North is the fact that their offensive line is a big question mark, just like the Raiders. Absolutely, and I think that's going to be the key matchup, the defensive lines against the offensive lines on Monday night. A lot of people, we've harped on the Raiders' offensive line, but as you said, the Ravens also have question marks there. Uh, Of course, Orlando Brown going to the Chiefs within the AFC West division. They brought in Kevin Zeidler, who may be long in the tooth. We'll see what he has left in the tank. Uh, Ronnie Stanley is coming back off of a season-ending injury last year. So there are some question marks there, and I think this could be a big game for Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe. Even get Gerald McCoy involved in the middle because we saw him during the preseason look fresh after having some time off. He had, I believe, a quad injury. But if you can attack that Ravens offensive line because it still needs to gel as does the Raiders offensive line, I think the Raiders can win up front, and usually that's when you win games. If you can win in the trenches, typically you can control the tempo of the football game. Absolutely, and if you look at the the Ravens and that 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 passing game last year, they were last in passing yards per game. Uh, but they, of course, they signed their tight end Mark Andrews to a rich deal on his birthday. Unlike Tanner Musi, didn't get released on his birthday. He got a new contract, so I think that's going to be an interesting challenge too. Is if if Lamar Jackson's able to dump off the short passes, we're going to see how good this rebuilt Raiders linebacking core is. Definitely. And Corey Littleton, he has to step it up because the Raiders paid him big money last offseason. I'm expecting him to have a better season under Gus Bradley. I'm also expecting to see him lined up against Mark Andrews on the intermediate routes and then maybe Trayvon Merrick uh, on the deeper routes. So those two bracketing Mark Andrews can possibly, I don't want to say take him out of the game because he's probably going to get a few catches. But at least limit his yards, limit his yards after the catch and force Lamar Jackson to go elsewhere with the football. Because if you look at the scouting report on Lamar Jackson, not so good throwing outside the numbers. But you do have to keep an eye on Marquise Brown. Make sure he doesn't take the top off of defense. He did have an injury this offseason, but he says he's 100%. 
So you just have to know where he is on the football field. Yeah, no doubt about it. And of course, the big news during the preseason was the big hit to the Ravens running game. J.K. Dobbins out for the season with a knee injury. Then you have Justice Hill also out with an injury. Uh, So this and they signed Le'Veon Bell to the practice squad this past week as well. So, Mo, that running game's banged up, too. So the, the, the Ravens, especially if they cannot get the passing game going, they become a little more one dimensional, albeit it is Lamar Jackson. But nonetheless, this Raiders defense is going to have an opportunity to do it. We switch the side of the ball, the Raiders offense, the Raiders offensive line playing together for the first time. Uh, they're going to have to protect Derek Carr against that rush that you talked about from Baltimore. But more so then if Derek Carr goes to throw the ball to guys like Henry Ruggs and to Darren Waller, you have all pros Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters in the backfield. And one thing they're very good at, Mo, is takeaways. Yeah, you don't want to make too many mistakes with this Ravens defense. They will accept the pass. They will take it back to the house and six points going the other way. Not good for the Raiders offense. But just focusing on Derek Carr and that offensive line, there, there are two things that the Raiders can do to protect Derek Carr and to take some pressure off the offensive line. One, get the ball out quickly to Henry Ruggs and Kenyon Drake if you're going to throw short passes. Two, run the ball effectively. I know Raiders fans are a little uh, weary about Josh Jacobs' status, but this is why you brought in a guy like Kenyon Drake. He can run the ball. He can handle a big workload. He did it in Arizona. Didn't catch the ball much in Arizona, but he can do it. I believe he has two catches with at least 50, two seasons with at least 50 plus catches. So he can catch the ball. He can run the ball. And I think you could see a lot of him if Jacobs isn't 100%. But if you run the ball effectively, you can neutralize the, the Ravens' blitz heavy defense rack up some yards and score some points. And I think that's what they're going to have to do. Short passes, establish the run. No, I think it's going to be a really good game. I think it's going to be a close game. We're going to get to our picks here in a second. But I have to say, man, it's going to be nuts out there. It's going to be nuts at Allegiant Stadium. I was there for the entire season last year watching all the home games. And it was terrible because there were no fans in the stand. And when you have the Raider faithful there and you have Raider Nation in force with all of their character, with all of their energy, with the entire culture that surrounds it it can be i mean in a game like this mo it could literally make the difference couldn't it it's definitely going to be electric i i compare it to the saints game last year their home opener in which they won that game a lot of people betting against the raiders in that matchup and even though they didn't have the fans there they had the energy so you can imagine what it's going to feel like monday night when you got the fans there dressed up and cheering and chanting and and just enjoying the atmosphere i think that's going to provide it provide them enough energy to get through some rough spots of course work has to be done on the field they have to score the points fans can't score the touchdowns or catch the passes but I think that energy will give them that extra boost that they need to keep this competitive. I will. And I, I also, you know, you mentioned Henry Ruggs and getting him involved in the offense. And you wrote a great piece up on the website, uh, VegasSportsToday.com, about Ruggs. And, and you said, hey, he should make that big jump in year two if he's used properly. How do you use Henry Ruggs properly? The same way he was used at Alabama. And that's short to intermediate passes, 10 to 15 yards downfield. Don't pigeonhole him into this deep threat role. Comparing him to Tyreek Hill, I get the comparison as far as speed is concerned. But if you watched Henry Ruggs at Bama, he's very good at beating defenders after the catch. And I think the yak has to be high for Henry Ruggs this year. He should be top 10 in the league in yak, not average depth of target, which he was last year. I believe he was at 17.4 
which means a lot of his his targets were going downfield 20 about 15 to 20 yards downfield he needs to be in the 10 to 15 yard range where he can catch those easy pitch and catch receptions and then run out the catch and either turn it into a 30 yard gain or possibly even a touchdown but with decisive throws he'll also up his volume and he'll get more yards and touchdowns and catches and i think getting him into the flow of a game is just as important as taking the top of off of a defense no doubt about it and i'm looking forward to seeing him develop in year two and seeing the raiders use him properly all right mo quickly we got to give our game projections i'll start i'll be the bad guy first i think the raiders play a great game i think the raiders beat the spread five and a half is the line most places around las vegas i see the raiders losing this game late or in overtime by a field goal and i'm gonna go it's gonna be a little lower scoring than people anticipate i'm gonna go with a 24 to 21 score the Raiders lose but play a heck of a game and we're all entertained Scott definitely peeking through my window looking at my notes <laughs> I'm also <laughs> I'm also taking the Raiders on on the on the line I, I think this is a field goal game either way I also believe this could also go into overtime um, we talked about the similarities with their weaknesses and I think defense as you said defense is going to play a role so we're probably going to have a lower score game than anticipated but I'm going to go 27-24 on a last-second field goal. Well, there you go. Uh, but I think the Raiders can walk away from the game and build on it even if they do lose. But with that home crowd, with all of you right now watching those taillights on I-15 going out to Las Vegas, you could make the difference. All right, that is the show for this week. We will be back next week. Also, listen to our show in Vegas. If you're going to Vegas, 98.5 The Fans Sunday kicks off our first show. 9 to 10 a.m. Uh, is our uh, first show out there in Las Vegas on the station, so make sure you listen. You can also subscribe here on the podcast for Mo Moten, I am Scalco Branson. This has been Silver and Black Tonight, only here on the Mightier 1090. Thank you for joining us. Please catch Silver and Black Tonight every Friday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 a.m. SoCal Sports Talk.